the Reverend Courtney Gebert. Did I say that right? Gebert, sorry. Here, we'll do, Reverend it Cor- we'll do it again. We can do it again. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Uh, Jeremy and I are on a mission right now to kind of unite our synod and and get to know pastors in our synod better and for everyone else to get to know pastors in our synod better. Uh, so today we have on Pastor Courtney Geibert. Courtney, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me and for your mission. I'm so excited to see how uh, your work unites our synod. Me too. <laughs> well, we'll see. It. I mean, our synod's so big, right? Like, like. I think you and I, though we only, our churches are only 30 minutes apart or 30 miles apart. That's like an hour and 15 minutes in the Bay yeah. area. And so it's hard to get around to other churches because it takes so much out of your day just to, just to, you know, connect with other pastors. Yeah. Um, even in our, in our conference, our conference is huge and, it's hard to see other pastors in our conference. So, <laughs> yeah. So, ho- hopefully, people are actually listening to this so we can get to know each other in each other's ministries. So, according, we want to get to know you a little better. Um, um, though we, you and I, have been in the same places, uh, um, I don't really feel like I, I know you a whole lot. So, um, c- can you just like like tell us about yourself? Where are you from? What does your family look like? Sure. So I am originally from Dayton, Ohio. So I'm a Midwest gal. And I went to college at Wartburg College, one of the ELCA schools in Iowa. And then after graduation, I moved to Nebraska, where I worked as a youth director. And then while working as a youth director, uh, I felt the call to ordain ministry. And that was Uh, further supported by my pastor at the time. And so then I attended seminary at Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary in California. Now, this is my first call here in on the peninsula in San Francisco, and I am just delighted to be here. And I have a curious cat who's wondering what is happening. Stella. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she, she, she was like, I want to be on camera. And I have two loving parents who live in Ohio and I'm an only child. So I like to say I slowly made my way from Midwest to West Coast. Uh, I have a deep affinity for anybody who went from youth ministry to ordained ministry. How long did you do youth ministry for? So professionally two years, but I did youth ministry from the time I was high school in high school. So 10 years or so. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's awesome. So you've, you've been in it for a while now. That's cool. Uh, Do you have any like favorite childhood memories? My favorite childhood memory was going to Lutheran Memorial camp, which is now called hope woods or hope outdoor woods in it's near Columbus, Ohio. It's one of our Lutheran camps. I just found camping so beautiful and I uh, love the connection. So I went there every year as a camper, sometimes multiple weeks, because I just could not get enough of camping and being a part of a community. 
what was you it know, about the camp that you that yeah. that kind of that brought you that kind of sucked you in mm -hmm. so my favorite is they would it had like different names over the years but it was essentially the outdoor roughing crew so we would go you know walk a mile away from the center of camp and we would be on a homestead essentially where we would you know get our own water make our own food not shower for several days and it was just so different from any other aspect of my life in which you know i was disconnected from technology and really um forced to be self-sufficient and build friendships right away with all the other campers that's really that's really cool that's a, that's a, like a cool experience are you much of a camper now i would say yes um yeah, I would say yes. Do, do you, cool. Did that transfer over into your like regular life? Like, do you can your own food and stuff now? No. Oh, okay. No. No. But, <laughs> You're not about that like kind of that no. kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, okay. So what do you like uh, currently, what do you like to do outside of being a pastor? Do you have any passions or hobbies that you really, you 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 love? I love indoor cycling. I'm a member of a cycling gym nearby and I love weightlifting and reading. Uh, last year, I think I read like 120 books. This year, I'm a little bit behind. I'm only at like 70, but I love books, especially ones where it's like whodunit kind of thing or like we know she killed her husband, but why? Um, so a lot of murder mystery books. You buy the books? Do you do Kindle? Do oh, you do library? Library. I am a library gal through and through, and I have multiple library cards from different libraries across the U.S. Uh, that's cool. Do you ever <laughs> use awesome. the Kindle? Do you ever use, do you ever check out books electronically? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, most of my books are ebooks from the library. Because I, I just the screen, I can make it the right size. It's great. I just found out about this and I thought, holy cow, that is just so brilliant that you can check out an electronic book. I'm late to the game on some things in life. And this is one of them. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You can make sure the font size is great for your eyes. It's fabulous. The light up if it, if you're reading in dark at late at night, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. I, I find myself, I switched over in the morning, I am up before the sun. And, and so I use my iPad now to read scripture rather than like trying to like have my phone flashlight on the Bible, you know? And I was just like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to use my iPad to, to read because it's backlit. Right. And so that's been so much nicer. Well, you know, what really changed the game for me, a pop socket. Uh, which, you know, oh, they've been around for a while, but put it on the back of your iPad or your Kindle so then you can easily hold it in one hand and swipe um, yeah. rather than oh. like holding. It's just more comfortable to hold. So highly recommend. I, I, I use a I use a ring. Yeah. Like Same one of those concept. like little rings. Yeah. But do uh, it on your iPad. Yeah. That's smart. That's yeah. <laughs> do you have a... Um, Okay, next question. Uh, any like particular spiritual disciplines or practices uh, that you like that you're you're currently you're that you like right now? Obviously, classic lecto divina. Um, but mm. I 
love praying while I'm biking. So usually in my cycling class, there is uh, about like a four minute song where you're, everyone's quiet and they're just playing the music and you're supposed to reflect or use that time as you wish. And the lights are off during it. So it's just um, mood wise, it's very focused. And so mm. I use that time every class to just pray and commune with God. Oh, that's cool. Uh, could you describe Lectio Divina for us? Yeah, it's a, a form of listening to the word. Um, there's different ways of doing Lectio Divina. Some people will read it several times and then see if there's a sentence or a word or a phrase that jumps out to them and hearing then for the spirit's voice through the reading of the passage. Well, thanks. Uh, Courtney, I admire anybody who can work out hard and do that kind of prayer at the same time. Because when I work out hard, my prayers are usually, God, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I just admire that you can make it spiritual because mine is like, <laughs> I hate this, you know? <laughs> um, so good for you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, um, any other disciplines? Any anything that you find yourself coming back to, or is that kind of like your thing? Those are my thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any other way that you would describe your like own personal spirituality? So I am a theologian of the cross. It's mm. how I um, talk about God with others. It's how I understand my relationship with God. I found Theology of the Cross during a really hard time in my life, and it gave me clarity in a way that I had never experienced before. And so I use that in guiding me in throughout my entire life. And people, how would you describe that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I understand Theology of the Cross is that Christ walked through it with us, alongside us through the most horrific parts of our lives and that we are not alone through those darkest points because Christ has experienced everything we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And are there any books uh, that have helped you understand the theology of the cross uh, better for? Um, let me look that one up that I'm thinking of that it really opened my eyes up to it. Um, you said you're you're a reader, and so I just wanted to I, yeah. see. I'm trying to remember which one that I really dove into. I have a theology of the cross section in my bookshelf, which is like this section right here is my theology of the cross books right here. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes we have these terms that I think we as is pastors use pretty frequently, but I think the the lay folk uh, don't really get what that is. Um, so I'm glad that you you explained that in such a, a a coherent way. Yeah, for sure. So I really love the cross uh, in the lynching tree by James Cone. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a yeah, yeah. one. Um, I feel like Andy Root wrote something on it at one point, but I think it was called "The Promise of Despair." Is yes. is the is the Andy Root book? Uh, yeah. Have it. you have you read uh, Douglas John Hall's "The Cross in Our Context"? Yes. Uh, that's like 
I feel like that's like theology of the cross for us right now, you know? Right. So probably those three combined is a really beautiful way of, of hearing and understanding for me how mm -hmm. we can navigate our life with all of the despair around us. How do we find comfort and hope in Jesus? Mm. Right, because I, I think our common culture is to only ascribe to God when things are going well in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we typically think of all of the good things as blessings, right? But we all just preached on the Beatitudes, right? And the, you know, being persecuted isn't, you know, it's called a blessing, but it's not what our common culture thinks of as a blessing. Um, and so I think the theology of the cross is so I mean, it's so good, right? It's like one of the gifts we have as Lutherans to the rest of Christianity. As as we're talking about, like a, a like you know Lutherans, uh, you you seem to s sound like you grew up Lutheran, right? Is that yes. so? Yeah. I grew up ELCA. I was born like two years after the founding of the forming of the ELCA, but before that. My grandfather was a Lutheran pastor. I can't remember which of the threads. Um, I never met him, but my parents met in youth group. Uh, my dad was the pastor's kid and uh, they fell in love through youth group and church. So wow. the church has been deeply um, part of our family story. And I'm just honored that I can carry it on. It is fun to look at my sermons versus my grandfather's sermons and how very different i mean context wise but also theology how we're both lutheran but there it's very different over the years mm. how, how would you like like can, do you have any examples yeah i most of my sermons focus a lot about grace for all and how we respond to that grace by welcoming all where his sermons, which, you know, he was preaching in the 60s, were a lot more on how do you accept Jesus? How do you, um, that personal relationship with Jesus, which is great. And I say, okay, now how do we then take that further by caring for our neighbors? Yeah. Well, you know, that that's interesting because that makes a lot of sense. That I, It's interesting because like that's when like the Jesus movement was right and that's when Billy Graham was really popular so it makes a lot of sense to me that mainline churches and even progressive ones would would kind of have that a little more integrated in because the context was so different you know totally, uh, yeah yeah you can see that conversation there with the sermons just as I think you could probably look at our sermons today, especially us progressive pastors, and see maybe how we're trying to push against the evangelical white Christian mm -hmm. nationalism. Um, totally, yeah, totally. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> so, so you know, it's one thing to to grow up Lutheran, but it's another thing to stay Lutheran. <laughs> what what keeps you staying in the Lutheran, the ELCA? That's a Fantastic questions. I think the first one is mentors. I was very, very blessed to have incredible mentors who walked with me throughout high school. I mean, my youth director, Brian Jaster, 
who was my youth director in high school is still a dear, dear mentor who checks mm. in on me. And I think that care and um, community is, is really profoundly beautiful. Yeah. And I stay Lutheran because it gives me the language and trust in Jesus that I haven't found anywhere else. I mean, the yeah. idea of saint and sinner, the idea of grace abounds, um, the theology of the cross, it just makes sense to me and how I want to live out my life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you touched on something and it's a, it's a, a, a big gripe that I have with, uh, with our fellow ordained clergy when they somehow diminish uh, lay youth ministers um, you know, and their ministry, like, like, as if somehow there's like levels to this. And I, I got to just tell everybody, if you're a youth minister, you're doing the same job as a pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it for 13 years as a youth minister. You're doing the same job. You're just not ordained. And so don't ever let a pastor tell you that you're, that you're somehow not doing the same kind of thing. It's, it's a little different, but, but you're doing the same job. Um, and so uh, uh, that he still checks in on you is so beautiful to me um and and that's that's real like that's ministry right there right yeah it's uh, awesome do you um uh well let's let's talk about your congregation now uh let's let's talk about uh so you serve messiah lutheran church in redwood city yes uh how would you describe your congregation? Well, where's Redwood City for everybody? Yeah, who's... that's true. <laughs> where's Redwood so City? So we are on the San Francisco Peninsula, known as Silicon Valley. So when you think of Apple or Google, any tech, it's probably nearby. Um, and we are probably, I would say, between 30 minutes to an hour outside of San Francisco, depending on where you're going in San Francisco. So we are just south of it. So my congregation is older. Uh, the average age, I would say, is about 75 or 80, um, with minus a few outliers. Um, my members start at like 50 years old and go up to, I think our oldest member is 102. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's an older cool. congregation and smaller congregation. We probably, including Zoom worship, probably worship um, 25 to 30 every Sunday. Mm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they are a small, tight knit, older family church. And I love them dearly because they just care so deeply for each other and are in so involved in each other's lives in a really beautiful way. And, and what kind of um, ministries are, are you all involved in? Like what, what is, what does ministry in your church look like? So we are run by a small but mighty group of mostly women and our ministries include our quilters group, which they meet every Monday and they make these beautiful quilts for uh, seniors for those in can you hear my cat right now. Okay. All right, Stella she's currently deciding to tear up a toy right in front of me because no, no, we, uh, I can't hear it. Can you hear it, Josh? No, no. Keep going. Mm -hmm. So quilters meeting every Monday. Quilters meet every Monday 
and we have a group that makes PB and J for the unhoused. We have a Bible study that is small and devoted. There's like four of us that meet on Zoom every Tuesday. Oh, cool. And we have a very fantastic choir who just loves getting together and singing praise and praying for each other. That's Your awesome. choir prays for each other, like as a part of the, yes. the rehearsals and stuff? I love it. They, yeah. they just spend time and um, they check in on each other. Um, they, they're a beautiful community, sub-community in our church. Yeah, that's lovely. Was it was it your church, Courtney, that we that I saw a comedy show at? Yes. So uh, I've tried to do a lot more, just like letting the community know we exist, mm -hmm. because even though we're in the corner of a main street, people don't know we exist. So I love comedy shows, and there's an organization called Don't Tell Comedy, in which they put secret comedy shows all over the U.S. So you pay. And you know it's going to be in a certain city, but you don't know until right before the secret location. And they'll host them in like workout facilities, bars, people's backyards, and churches. So we have uh, ha hosted several comedy shows, and uh, it's been really fun to just hear people walk in. They're like, "Oh my gosh, are are we allowed to do comedy in here or like I didn't even know you existed I've heard people who said I have not stepped into a church in 20 years. Yeah. Um, so one letting people know we're here, but also letting people know that the church is not their grandfather's church, but mm -hmm. one that wants to welcome them, whoever they are and celebrates who they are and is able to make fun of themselves and laugh and just spread kindness. Uh, how much of the humor do they poke fun at being at a church? Because I, I don't, I mean, I went years ago, so I don't remember, I don't really remember the comedy. Uh, I just remember the event and how fun it was. Uh, yeah, I, but, would, I, I would say 10%. I would say at least one or two com uh, comedians every night will make some comment of them being in a church. Because um, we have like some giant crosses behind them. So they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is watching me. <laughs> all these inappropriate jokes but. yeah and it's not necessarily uh g-rated comedy this is no you, uh, you know it's uh people can say basically whatever they want yeah, right like this is christian yeah. humor this is these are normal comedians so right uh i love a good comedy show too so oh, that's uh, that's uh just we need levity in our lives right so uh, how else is your, your space used at Messiah? Yeah, so this is the thing I am most passionate about. We partner with three other churches, all uh, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking churches. We also host AA, uh, Polish dancers, Norwegian language class, and a preschool that rents from us. So... I love it. Um, I think it's the way that a lot of churches should be going in which 72% of our income comes from our partnerships with these wow. organizations. So one thing when I came on, the members of the church said, we have this young pastor. She's going to bring in all these young families. We're going to be the church we used to be. Well, we right. know that's not true. 
And right. also that doesn't reflect our neighborhood necessarily. Our neighborhood's extremely diverse. And so one thing I've been trying to instill in our members is our calling might not be to fill every pew in our congregation, but our calling might be to provide space for ministries that otherwise could not happen, especially mm -hmm. Spanish speaking ministries that our congregation just doesn't have the, the language capacity for. Yeah. Um, how does our ministry look like, uh, how our ministry can look like reflecting in providing space for other ministries to flourish. And I think that's incredibly beautiful and the partnerships we've been able to develop through it have been remarkable. Or do you all find yourself, I don't know what the makeup or denominations or whatever, do you guys ever find yourself doing stuff together? Yes. Yeah, so they've done a few uh, Spanish speaking services, Spanish and English speaking services. And then a lot of times it's informal of like, hey, we um, have this toilet that's not working at church. Do you all have anyone from your congregation that could help? Oh, we have a plumber. Okay, great. Or, hey, um, we need help with this Bible study. What are your thoughts on this? So a lot of it's more informal building, but there is uh, such a camaraderie that this is our space and our ministry space together. How do you work out a schedule of three churches doing worship on Sunday? So it's four total, three churches plus us. Oh, four. So, so yeah, tell me, tell me what, what, what does a Sunday look like at your church? Yeah, we start at 8 a.m. and go till 6.30 p.m. And we have two worship spaces. Um, okay. So sometimes there's two spaces happening at one time where two groups are worshiping at one time. It's it's a bit of a dance, like each group has 30 minutes to uh, tear down and build up for the next group. Um, but we we all do it together and, and lovingly. And many of the members of the other congregations have family members who are part of the other congregations. So it's like one massive family and it's it's really fantastic and a beautiful way for us as a larger Redwood City community to come together. You said uh, that you, uh, I, I think that's really great. Uh, um, so you're partnering with these churches, but then you said you also make like sandwiches for for the unhoused, right? Are there any other ministries that you partner with out in the community? And what does that kind of partnership look like? Whether it be ministries or churches or that kind of thing. Right. So locally, we love supporting Second Harvest and mm. we do that mostly financially um, and then we've worked with Sequoia, um, I just blanked on their name, but they offer care for older adults. So we've made different care kits and then we've done cleanups at our local parks. So we've worked with the parks and rec department. So we are always kind of bouncing around and trying to see where there is most need. So for example, with Maui fires, we brought in local Hawaiian musicians and did a Hawaiian Polynesian service in which then all the money collected went through ELCA disaster response for the Maui fires. So That's we're awesome. always trying to be um, flexible in order to meet our community's need. Yeah. My hope is that we get to a point where which I stole this shamelessly from now Bishop Dave Nagler that all of our finances 
can be from our renters, which keeps everything paid for and the lights on, and that all the money we collect can just be given away. I would mm -hmm. love to get to that point where we're able just to share what we have abundantly, um, whether that's time, talents, or gifts. That's really great. And and full and full. I think that's a. I I think anytime we can steal good ministry ideas from people, let's steal it from each other. Because like Absolutely. you know, like let's you know, let's bring our best ideas forward and let's let's use them together. It's like we're in this together, right? Uh, um, Courtney, uh, I, I I I have to tell you, thank you for saying that because I am kind of going through that same journey with my congregation. And it's only recently that I've really changed my mind on on renting our space to to the community. And and um only it's only yeah, it's only been in the last year that I've really said, like, okay, let's really let's let's just see how this goes. And we've really become a community center here. Um for for parties for quinceañeras for you know stuff like that and it's great and it's great and it's worth the mess that you know what i mean like it's worth the 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 dirt that comes along with it and it's like it's like worth it and so um i'm glad to know that that you paved the way for that um <laughs> is there anything that you that you're like really proud of that your church has done Yes. So when I first got here on our campus, we have our older chapel and that was the original space. And then we have our new sanctuary with classroom space, etc. So our older chapel space, which uh, was built like 60 years ago, um, had not been updated. So there were not any bathrooms in the area. Um, the flooring, I believe, had like a bit of asbestos underneath it, and it just wasn't welcoming. And one time we hosted uh, a funeral and then had a reception in that space. And one of the community members was like, I need to use the bathroom. And she had mobility issues. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I don't think I can make it back to the sanctuary to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my heart sunk and I was like, this is not how we are hospitable. This is not how we, um, this is not allowing all people to access this space. So I put it into motion and I'm so glad the congregation agreed to come alongside me. And we built two gender inclusive handicapped bathrooms, which I wanna give a shout out to St. Francis Lutheran Church for helping and giving grants for that. Um, and then from that space, then we were able to also put new flooring in so it's safe uh, because there were spots on the floor where we're wonky and moving. Um, so now that space is able to be safe and accessible for all. And I love it being able to show it to our community spaces, as you said, for like birthday parties or um, different community groups that come in because mm -hmm. it's, it's a space where all feel welcomed and all needs are met. That's awesome. I think one collaboration that that we should talk about is is full disclosure. You and I do stuff together every once in a while. I serve Holy Trinity in San Carlos. You're the next city over, uh, and so every once in a while we will try to get our congregations to do something together. And and starting in 
in Advent one, we're going to start doing our, our zoom hold an evening prayer together. And so I, I really appreciate that partnership and that collaboration that, that we're able to do. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. And I think COVID taught us the, the need for online functions. I mean, I don't know about you all, but a lot of my members aren't comfortable driving at night mm -hmm. and an evening Advent service in person just felt like a waste. Um, so it's like, wait, how can we make this a place where their needs are met? Let's just have it on Zoom. So, and then it gives us an opportunity to, again, partner with other churches. Um, For sure. I, I think our language is important. Um, Pastor Jeremy, you mentioned a lot about shifting your idea with renters. I think it's shifting your language from renters and landlords to partners. Mm. Shift that language, then the mindset changes that this is our shared yeah. ministry together in the same way that we're able to partner with Bible study and worship together. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. You could tell Joe was like, I just, I'm now I'm going to change the way I talk about this. Well, hell yeah, I'm going to change the way I talk about it now. I'm brilliant. Why haven't I been doing that all along? You know? Yeah, and I think it helps your congregants get on board too, right? These are mission partners. These aren't renters. These are mission partners that we can further ministry together. So when you host a quinceanera, who knows down the line, if they need pastoral care, they might reach out to you all because mm -hmm. they remember that welcoming church that celebrated them doing a really important milestone in their family's life. So absolutely. W one of the things we just did recently, uh, thanks to my awesome wife is, um, NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month started, uh, you know, in November, and we hosted a kickoff at the congregation from from them. And so uh, they met for a kickoff in, in our hall. And one of the things my wife had a great idea, she's like, let's put our welcoming statement and then join us for worship at 1030. And let's just put it on the walls right in front of the bathroom. And she said, so many people, like they'd come up, they'd look at it, they'd wait for the bathroom and then they'd, they'd go in and, and we, we host a lot of um, recitals here because we have a really nice piano. Uh, and so we host these recitals and, and uh, I noticed people doing the same thing with this. So it's like, we're trying to utilize our space to also say like, this is who we are. And like, let's welcome people, mm -hmm. um, which is not something we've done before. And why haven't we done that before? I don't know, you know, uh, just have, haven't done it. So uh, yeah. I, I think it's really cool to utilize space in that way. And, and that you all do that is, is cool. Just, yeah, as you said, little signaling, you know, like an easy sign that took you one minute to make on your computer, like so simple. Right, right. Do you know, do you, do you know, uh, is there any other places that you do ministry that you think like, oh, collaboration would be really great in this area? Hmm. Probably Instagram. So I run all of our church's social media, partly because I love it and I'm passionate about it. And partly because I'm the one who has any sort of technological, technological skills in that area. Yeah. And I'm really inspired by some of these more online ministries and even like people will make grids or, or swipe as you swipe through of prayers for folks. And so 
that's a really beautiful way in which I'm filled up personally. And I'm wondering how much more we can do collaboratively with that. That's cool. That's really yeah. great. Well, well you, at- you, you'll have to tune in um, because I'm hoping to have um, Catherine Slava on um, on the podcast because I want her to talk about that stuff. I was literally just going to say at St. John's, partially because of her, I love their TikToks. Like, yeah, yeah, right. It's such a cool tool um, in which, again, to show that church is not scary, that church can be fun and playful and welcoming to all. Right, right. Hmm. So I will definitely be tuning in because I think she has a wealth of knowledge and is such a, a blessing for our synod. We yeah. haven't asked her yet. Catherine, come on the podcast. We want you. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so the, so this is, we're getting to our last couple of questions, but okay. This is, how would you explain the gospel? How would you just, what is the gospel for you? Oh my gosh. The gospel is trusting that you are not alone and are part of a greater story than yourself and that you have a God who loves you unconditionally and wants to celebrate who you are and as a response to that, share that love with neighbors and creation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's... Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, is is there anything that that uh, you were hoping we'd talk about uh, uh, before you came on? Like, yeah. did we miss anything? Is there anything else you want to? I f- I feel like you all are so brilliant at making such great questions. So thank you for your roles as hosts and facilitators in this conversation. Well, thank you for that. Um, we uh, always have 10 questions that we end every one of our interviews with. Um, and and so, uh, are you ready? Ready. All right. Uh, which food could you eat every day? Grilled cheese sandwich. What's your favorite movie genre? Action. Salty, sweet, or savory? Sweet. In addition to the Bible, which book would you want with you on a deserted island? Oh. Harry Potter. Uh, the seventh book. I had uh, one. I mean, there's, you know, there's seven books. Right. right. Uh, what fills your cup? My family. What depletes your cup? Injustice. What's your favorite holy place? My couch. What's one piece of good advice that you've been given? Set boundaries. They are a form of love. What does rest look like for you? Reality television. And on that last day, when uh, you enter heaven, what do you hope God will say to you? Welcome in. 
everybody, this has been the Reverend Courtney Guybert. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me and your ministry here, because this is a great avenue in which I am excited to see how God continues to move in both of you and in this ministry together. So thank you. This has been the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Thanks for listening.